Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Mayfair Theatre Podcast. I'm Andrew. And this is Josh. And uh, it's the two of us again this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mel is busy. Busy, busy. But hopefully she'll be back soon. She's betrayed us to go to another podcast. That's, that's still the story we're going <laughs> A mystery with. podcast. Yeah, she's going to the uh, the competing Mayfair Theatre Podcast. Um, I went to see Youth this afternoon, which is too late to advertise to come mm-hmm. see it here. But, I still uh, haven't seen it. But yeah, it was really good. It's funny, I, I've been on a bad run of, you know, I always joke that I get to see movies here for free, mm-hmm. but I've been busy lately, so I've missed a whole bunch of stuff that yeah. I wanted to see. Uh, so I'm glad I caught Youth right uh, right before it went away. Um, and so this week coming up, we have two movies held over, one of which for a third week, which I'm glad because I've missed it the first two weeks. Uh, and that's the lady in the van. Yeah, big hit here. And as I've kind of said before, if we could just show a Maggie Smith movie once a month, mm-hmm. if Maggie did a movie once a month, they need to do a Dow- Downton Abbey movie. Yeah, if they could just that would kill here. If they could like, if the elderly British ladies like Helen Mirren and Judi Dench and Maggie Smith could maybe like Marvel movie it, just like <laughs> like franchise it and just kind of make a universe where they're just making movies all the time. Uh, because that's seemingly more and more our target audience. Yeah. And, you know, we diversify, but every like I think without fail, like I don't think we've ever screened a a Helen Mirren type movie, Judy Dench, Maggie Smith, where people didn't show up. Mm-hmm. And I like it when we have that as our like early show or seven o'clock show. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards we have something a bit more grindhouse or punky Mm -hmm. and two very different crowds are passing each other coming in and out of the theater um but yeah so lady in the van which is uh has been very popular with us so i'm gonna catch that try to catch that next week because shamefully i still haven't seen it but it's one of those movies that just like big crowds keep coming Mm -hmm. like it's our yeah it's our marvel movie it's our star wars it's these kind of films um our blockbusters our blockbusters yeah the other one we're holding over is The Revenant, mm-hmm. which I did see um, last Friday or Saturday night. Yeah, I've seen it. It's exhausting. <laughs> it's, it is, yeah, that's a good... Uh, well, I mean, that sounds like a, a bad thing. It's not thing, a negative, yeah. But, you know, as a visual trip, you yeah. know, it, yeah, it's like exhausting, but also, you know, marvelous to, to watch on the big screen. Yeah, and, and I read... I keep on meaning to repost it on, uh, on Facebook or somewhere, but... Uh, Richard Roper wrote a review where basically it's him saying like, "Do not watch this at home." Like, no, like it's him. And saying, people have been because yeah. you know the the uh, the film leaked online. Yeah, anytime there's a movie, a big Oscar caliber movie, seemingly leaks much easier. Yeah, because all they have all those screeners circulating. Yeah, so you're giving a screener to you know, somebody on The Tonight Show and there's an intern there. Yeah. That's going to hit the internet in a pristine quality. Uh, but luckily, people still want to see it on the big screen because there's proof over and over again that what's easily available, people are still coming out to see it in a theater nonetheless. Uh, and, you know, there was such a big deal made about Quentin Tarantino's 70 millimeter Hateful Eight, mm-hmm. deservedly, uh, and I didn't even think of it till like days later that it's a big seventy millimeter film that much of it is in a small tiny little cabin. Yeah, and I was like, oh yeah, that seems weird because it did have a few. Big... Well, not really because 
the resolution you get with yeah. the image and and the close-ups, the way the yeah. close-ups look in that format is is quite striking. So. Yeah, and and it just like I uh, uh, I listened to a podcast with Tim Roth, and he was saying, and like, there's nowhere to hide. Like, yeah, like in normal normally shot films, you can be off camera, you know, not paying attention or 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 uh, uh, you know, drinking your coffee, eating a donut. But in this, he's like, there was nowhere to hide. Everywhere is on camera. Yeah. Uh, but I thought the cinematography in the Revenant, which is all outside almost. Yeah, and that could have been a 70 millimeter film. Oh, very easily, yeah. Except it would have been another thing to kill the cast and crew because, yeah. like, shooting on film is, is a little bit more difficult than shooting digitally sometimes, Ch- mm-hmm. changing the film over and making sure yeah. it doesn't get destroyed. Especially in those, in those conditions. And, and I guess from what I understand, kind of, if you call it a gimmick, the gimmick with the Revenant was not only was it all outside, but it was all natural light. No, no, mm-hmm. no lights were used, mm-hmm. which is, which is a staggering undertaking to think that, you know, that meant they, they could only shoot. And I think it was all during the day, right? Was it all during um, the day? Most of it. I think there's some night some nighttime. So like, especially shooting at night with no light, like that's quite Isn't it like that, that Kubrick movie, Barry Lyndon, like a lot of that was just shot by candlelight yes. or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 uh, and this was like, man, and watching this, you're like, if this had been a Western shot in, like, the 50s, all the horses would have been killed. Like, it just would have been a massacre for both mm-hmm. horses and stuntmen. But nowadays, there's either, we're at the state where we can digitally recreate a horse and throw it off a cliff. Yeah. But I remember seeing a documentary on, like, PBS ages ago, and it's pretty horrible, where they essentially put out, like, trip lines to trip the horses and then and then swap them up and been like okay get black horse number 6 in here yeah and in in the revenant it's pretty brutal for man and beast in it yeah and and there's stuff like the i don't think it's a spoiler at all to say like there's a pretty brutal bear attack scene mm-hmm. in it which was a 100% a digital bear yeah and again that's a relatively new thing cuz if this had been filmed even not in the 50s even just like a you know in the 90s it would have been a bear walking up towards Leo and then, you know, cutaways to, like, a fake hand of a bear and yeah. a, a, a bear... Wouldn't have, been, wouldn't have been as visceral. No, certainly. no. Even with a real bear, right? Well, maybe, maybe, but, you know... It would have had that really bad cutaway of, like, a guy with a bear mitten on yeah. just kind of slapping. Yeah. Um, they did that in Cujo, which... It's done pretty well, but if you ever watch it like slow, back when you're like a kid and you're just watching everything like frame by frame yeah. on VHS, it's super evident that it's like a hand puppet Cujo. Yeah. And, uh, but, um, yeah, but Revenant, like, it didn't, it's long, it's two and a half hours long, but I never felt like, I felt worn out, but not in a negative way. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's just funny that it and Hateful Eight are just, long and cold and angry yeah Yeah. and it's like this like life or death trek and if you're giving the oscar purely for not even acting talent but man that looked like an undertaking that goes to leo i think yeah the other ones because you're like ah well you know being in a movie like spotlight or trumbo they didn't have to jump off a cliff or be have arrow shot at them or whatever i was reading an article online that was pretty critical of Leonardo DiCaprio being nominated because uh, the writer's point was saying, well, the Academy seems to love 
um, acting as endurance tests. Yeah. Sort of like, you know, Leo just gets the shit kicked out of him in all sorts of ways in this film. And the Academy loves that. They love, like, a, a movie star really getting nitty-gritty in, in, in the role. And theoretically, they said it all... I guess it all started with De Niro putting on all that weight for Raging Bull. Right. You know, that kind of over-the-top method acting where they... <laughs> yeah, like, if you if you lose a lot of weight, if you gain a lot of weight... Yeah. If you're doing something physically difficult, like playing Stephen Hawking or, like, My Left Foot, something like yeah, that. Yeah, the Academy loves that. I hate to bring up the Oscars again. Yeah. We're pretty much yeah. done with them. But, yeah. Um, and Leo's really good in the film. Yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, like, people are, you know, people really, I guess, respond to the fact that here's Leo, this vegan, I guess, I guess he's a vegetarian. He? I didn't even know. And he's, he was yeah. actually eating, like, bison oh, liver. Oh, God. Because, again, it's like that, yeah. that commitment to character and performance. Man, if I, I've been a vegan for four or five years now, and if I took a big bite of raw meat, it would probably kill me. I don't know. <laughs> but that's like... It, it's, you, would, you would melt, like, in uh, yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark, <laughs> yeah, looking at the Ark of the Covenant. The, and it's funny, because there's, there's more than two, but if there's two trains of acting, it's like the method acting and the not-method acting. And you hear some actors who are like, you know, 30 seconds before someone yells action are talking about like last night's baseball scores. Yeah. And then, okay, stand by. And then boom, they hit character. Well, the funniest example of that is um, Daniel Day-Lewis where he talked about, yeah, between shots on Lincoln, I was tweeting in character as Abraham Lincoln. Ah, uh, that's funny. <laughs> I was just talking about that because I think it was, who was in there? I think it was Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, or somebody played, played a son. Said that. I don't know if he was joking, but he said, I didn't meet Daniel till like the rap part. Yeah. Because he was always in character yeah. with the voice and the look and the stance. Whereas some actors, I think it's more of a British thing, but you hear some actors be like, what did you do to research the part? I forget who said this, but he, what did you do to research the part? And you're like, well, I read the script and I listened to the director and I uh, put on the costumes as per the wardrobe person told me to. Yeah. And showed up on time. And yeah. uh, that's what I did, you know, like. And versus the, oh, I, I knocked out my front teeth or lost 50 pounds. Yeah, like people or, forget that, that great acting can be found in just that pure professionalism of you know, yeah. hitting your mark, knowing your lines, showing up on time. Yeah. Um, this whole like over the top kind of, I have to be the character 24-7, uh, you know. Yeah. People forget that that's not necessarily the best approach. Well, especially if it's like a really angry negative character yeah like if you're lincoln for six months well you know lincoln seemed like a good guy how necessary is it <laughs> yeah that yeah approach, like when, you know? when 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 daniel daniel day lewis is like eating his chicken wrap at lunch <laughs> and drinking he's a, doing it as lincoln yeah as lincoln dr- ate chicken and if he was tweeting he's breaking it right there like he should be like what is, what is this this witchcraft i hold in my hand like there's a really great interview with uh, on uh, Mark Maron's podcast where he, he interviews uh, William Friedkin and directed you know The Exorcist and French Connection. Yeah, and he talked about making a movie called The Hunted with Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, and Benicio del Toro. Okay, and he talked yeah. about how different it was working with both of them, and it's like okay, so directing Tommy Lee Jones is like this. It's like okay, I want you to walk to the window and say your line. And then walk out of the room, and Tommy Lee Jones is like, okay, so I walk to the window, I say my line, I walk out of the room. Yeah. And uh, with Benicio del Toro, it's like, uh, okay, I need you to walk into the room and look out the window, and it's like, well, what, you know, what am I thinking at this yeah. point? <laughs> How do I feel about my father when I'm doing, you know, like, yeah. just the over 
psychoanalyzing of every, yeah, you know, every movement, every line of dialogue. I, I love it when, and I've had it to a small extent, but I love it when somebody's trying to interview someone about a piece of artwork, whether it be, uh, you know, a song or, or a movie role, and they say, oh, did this represent that? Yeah, everything has to be symbolic. And the writer or the actor will go, oh, no, that didn't mean that at all. Yeah. And I had it just to the, like a tiniest extent. I was being interviewed by like the Citizen or somebody for my comic book for Zonkeys, which is, you know, it, it's Jurassic Park meets Night of the Living Dead with monkeys, you mm-hmm. know. And, and it ha- I've, I'm proud of it, but it's just fun, you know. Yeah. It's just people getting killed by monkeys. And somebody tried to ask me like a big like, oh, does it represent like environmentalism and the... Yeah. The, and I just had to fess up and be like, no, no it just is what it is. I wanted to make Sorry. a cool, yeah. And I, and I said like, I wanted to make a cool comic book. that's kind of a tribute to seventies monster movies and it's fun. And, yeah. And, but, but, but really there's no, you subtext. know, subtext to it at all. I, Which I is mean, what everyone kind of expects. Yeah. Ooh, what's this comment? What, what does this mean? Yeah. And, and I, I, I think half the time when somebody is cornered, they just make something up. I think half, yeah. half of like, there's a really great book that um, Tom Lennon and... Oh, what's his partner's name? Brad Garrett? No. Oh, is that the one about working in Hollywood? Yeah. Uh, it, so it's Tom Lennon and his writing partner, who I just forgot his name. Ben Grant? Ben Grant, yes. Yeah. And they're famous for Reno 911. Yeah. Up until right now, they're both producers on uh, the fake game show at midnight. Yeah. And they've written this weird diversity of, like, of, of crazy TV sketch comedy for adults... And also Night at the Museum yeah, and like Herbie the Love Book. Hollywood stuff. Yeah, and it's a great book. If you have no interest in writing screenplays, it's still just kind of fascinating yeah. because of these stories of, of like, you'll go in, like say you go in and whatever, say you go in and pitch like E.T. And they go, oh, I don't like that. Give me something else. And just off the top of your head, you go, um, uh, modern Herbie the Love Bug remake? And they're like, yes, yes. Well, it's how, they, like it's it. how they sold jo- um, uh, not, uh, Alien. Yeah. Jaws in Space. Y- yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? Which is like o- way over simplif- simplification of, of the story or yeah. the plot, but that's what it comes down to. It's what what is this like? Y- yeah. What and, other hit can we compare this to? And, and it's nothing new. Like I always kind of, not that I come to the defense of remakes, but like whenever someone's kind of getting on a pedestal and being angry at a, a remake or a sequel, and I was like, this is nothing new. Hollywood has done this forever mm-hmm. of, you know, the, the reason why Abbott and Costello did a Mars movie or a Western or, a, um, you know, a movie at sea mm-hmm. was those... Just formula. Those were available. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, somebody just did a Western. Can we... Can you guys write a script for six days from now? And they go, yeah, okay. And, or like, my go-to saying is that there was five Planet of the Apes movies originally, and the reason there isn't six is because part five flopped. Mm-hmm. If part five had done great, there would have been a six. Like, it's not like they had stories to tell. They were just, they're making, it's, it's And business. they made those movies dirt cheap. Oh, yeah. It's they, show those, business yeah. in that case. Like, and, and so that's nothing really new. And, and even if you go back to like, well, Wizard of Oz was based on something else. And, you know, whether, you know, something is based on a book or a, you know, nowadays it's everything, TV show, comic book, video game. But Hollywood loves saving some time. Well, look what look what's opening this weekend. Uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Yeah. Which looks really good. But yeah. But what does it have to do with Cloverfield? It's, it, yeah, it's like a weird... It's almost like they have to put that there as, as sort of like a brand. 
Yeah. Well, I always get fascinated when... Because it otherwise looks like an original film. It doesn't look like yeah. a sequel to Cloverfield. I always get fascinated when they... Uh, we, we had, by a weird chain of events, we had uh, Max Brooks in-house. Yeah, like, the writer of World War Z. And he was a super nice guy, stayed to the bitter end, autographed for everybody. But he, he was very honest and not bitter about his dealings with Hollywood. Very hard to do. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and you know you can't help but be like, well, he's Mel Brooks' son, so he's got a good sense of humor. But he was saying how when he, when he sold the rights to his book... I, I actually listened to the book via um, like audiobook format, and it yeah. works really well because the book is about it's it's like a bunch of radio interviews. Um, yeah, like a documentary. And so the the audiobook, I forget everybody in it, but it had some really fun people in it, like Alan Alda and Henry Rollins and Mark Hamill, oh, wow. some cool voice actors. And I thought, oh, so it's like a radio play. It's very much, yeah. yeah. And I thought the movie could be done like that, like anthology style. And when I heard that Brad Pitt was cast in it, I said, okay. Kind of well, like what they did with District Nine, which is sort yeah. of like a mockumentary. Yeah, and then narrative. the movie, as as uh, Brooks said, with the exception that it's on Earth and has zombies in it, had nothing to do with his book. So no, much it's just so, Brad Pitt saving the world. Yeah, and and I could be wrong with this, but even the name of the character, like, so they didn't even like. Everything was different. And in that case, it's like his book was popular, but not like a, you know, 10 million bestseller Harry Potter kind of thing. So why bother paying for the brand? Why not just call it Zombie Movie and go from there? Well, they, they pay for the brand because it helps sell, right? They, yeah. People, it's recognition. Oh, World War Z. Oh, I love that. I like book. that. Yeah, that got good reviews. You but, know? But he was very honest about Cloverfield. it. Cloverfield. Oh, I remember that movie. Yeah, that movie. Ten yeah. Clo- you know, so it's like it's like they're not even having to do sequels anymore. It's no. just these loose yeah. connections to something else. Uh, and there's going to be else. a sequel to World War Z, World War Z, and um, Max Brooks was like, and I'll get a paycheck for it, and it'll say created by, and yeah. that's cool. You know, that's like, that's fine. Yeah, as long as he's getting paid. Yeah, and it's like, but it's almost like, if you would have done, like, a Sherlock Holmes movie, but it was about a guy in a wheelchair who didn't solve crimes and sang in an opera. Like, just change everything about yeah. him, but still call it Sherlock Holmes. And be like, yeah. well, that's weird. Why did you do that? But it, it's... I find now, for better or for worse, filmmakers are just like, okay, I can't do anything original, so um, I'm going to go do... Like, look at Kenneth Branagh. Like, in the past couple of years, he's done... A Thor movie, um, a Tom Clancy movie, and Cinderella. Mm-hmm. And in between, I think he's doing other stuff for himself. So out of that, two out of three of those were financially viable, successful. And, you know, it's, it's a gig. It's a good gig. Do it the best you can. And maybe it'll lead to being able to go do something else smaller. Even Michael Bay, who I am not a fan of at all, seems to be doing smaller films in between his big... Well, smaller in terms of of what he does. But nobody's going to them. Like, they they come and go. Like, I didn't even realize the last one happened until I saw the actor on, like, a talk show. And then I was like, that's a thing? But it was like, it it came and went. Like, and they... I don't know, they pretended to release it for, like, Oscar consideration, but it's like, no, that's that's not going to work, Michael Bay. I'm sorry. But, but... uh, yeah, so originality is... I don't, I, I don't think remakes are anything to be afraid of as long as they're good. Like, if you have... Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really liked um, like some of the Marvel stuff and Star Trek and, and, and 
you know, even uh, Edgar Wright doing Scott Pilgrim based on a comic well, book. Well, you're getting right? you're getting because there are really talented people behind them who could yeah. do original work anyway. Yeah. But they have to do yeah. this stuff. Yeah. So, you know, there are people like Edgar Wright and, uh, well, Edgar Wright does, you know, original oh, yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but, you know, people like J.J. Abrams, like, you know, he's not doing original stuff, but yeah. his approach to it yeah. is a, at least a little fresh. Yeah. And and uh, even, like, I kind of, you kind of forget, but Tim Burton, with rare exception, like, with, like, Edward Scissorhands, like, everything he's done is based on something else, which is mm-hmm. kind of interesting. Like, you go back to, like, Pee Wee Herman was based on, like, at the time, just, like, a stage show, essentially. Yeah, broad, Broadway or... I think so. Something, yeah. yeah. But then you go to, like, you know... Or no, um, it was The Groundlings. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, Beetlejuice was original. Edward Scissorhands was original. And, and technically Nightmare Before Christmas, but whether it be, you know, Batman or Planet of the Apes or Alice in Wonderland, or he has a new film coming out that seems to be kind of, like, hoping to be the new Harry Potter kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's all based on books, based on other things, but he can take that. And JJ's doing that now, where, where he did Mission Impossible three, he did Star Wars, he did Star Trek. Uh, in between there, he did Super Eight, which was original, but mm-hmm. he's mostly yeah. But even then, even it was oh, even that was, even yeah. then, it's referencing yeah classic Spielberg. So and, it's only so original, and that's what and I, was, I like Super Eight a lot. Me too. But a lot of it is remember the Spielberg films. So you know, like it's original up to a degree. But I remember being like. Is Spielberg allowed to produce a tribute to himself? Because this is like a <laughs> yay for Spielberg movie, yeah, and it's produced yeah. by Spielberg. And right down, like, yeah, it very much, like, if you, it, it looked a little bit more modern, but if you would have said, like, oh, we shot that in 1986. Well, set in 79. 79, yeah. But if you, if you like, it, it's very much um, Goonies, Gremlins, Young Sherlock Holmes, E.T. It feels like one of those, like, 12-year-old kid Spielberg kind of movies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it definitely was like a tribute to that. Mm. Right down, I, I, like, and right down to like the score and the kids wanting to be filmmakers. But it's, and, I think what the secret behind that is that it's done with genuine affection. Yes. Rather than cynicism where it's like, yeah, we'll just, this sold before, let's yeah. just rip it off. Well, like, I'll never forget, when I lived in Vancouver... There was a, a, man, it seems like so long ago that comic books were not a viable property, <laughs> but there was a TV movie called Generation X, uh, loosely based on some X-Men stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget reading the article and the director, who I should look up to see who this guy is to see if he's still around. But the quote was, well, we really want to distance ourselves from the comic books. That was like, quote, unquote. And it's like, we want to, we, we don't want to be associated with the comic books. I'm like, but you're doing a movie called Generation X about a bunch of mutants fighting bad guys? They just want the basic, um, they just want the title. Yeah. For recognition and I guess the basic plot and then they just, you know. Yeah. But whereas now, they seem to have gotten smart about like, oh, Joss Whedon likes comic books and Sam Raimi likes comic books and JJ likes, mm-hmm. you know, Star Wars getting people who actually have a love of the game mm-hmm. and it shows I think like it's people who, who actually are trying their best people, people who are, are are happy to do these adaptations rather yeah. than god damn it I want to do something original yeah I want, I want to go do some 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 Oscar movie or something like that um, but yeah so it's it's people who grew up with this stuff and yeah now they get to do their own version of it yeah which is which is I mean Star Wars is really a fan film yeah 
And, and I love people complaining about it because I'm like, uh, well, you're complaining because you had too much joy while watching it? Yeah. I don't understand. Like, And that's one, to kind of get back on topic, we were... We, we, we can't comment on it really. We were, we were hoping to get it for March break. We are hoping to get Star Wars for March mm-hmm. break. But it's circling. We were hoping to get it very soon. Yeah. Um, but we have the poster up and stuff like that. Yeah. So I just... I want to see it here so bad. I've, I've yeah. still only seen it once. and so I've I'm seen it twice. Totally going to come see it here. And I'm a very moderate Star Wars fan. I'm not... I like the movies, but I'm not like... Yeah. <laughs> a member of the Star Wars religion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> so it's easier for me to like them because I'm not you know, invested in all the mythology, so I'm not so critical of whatever the flaws may be. Yeah, yeah, and I fully admit that, like, I don't know, like, I'm, I I could have been more difficult to please with stuff like that, but I really liked it, and I fully admit that I try to give stuff a chance before criticizing it, but I'm having a very hard time giving Batman versus Superman a chance, just because I'm so... I'm a DC Comics kid, and I just look at it, and I shake my head, and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, why can't you get this right? Oh, yeah. why is Superman so angry? I don't understand. Um, but, but yeah, so I'm looking forward to getting Star Wars on screen, hopefully, soon. Uh, but uh, we should get to... To get back on topic. What else What else we have for this week? One uh, of them being an original film. Original, so we... By, have, I guess, auteurs. Uh, yeah, if, Hail uh, Caesar. I guess you can call them uh, the... Uh, you can call the Coen brothers auteurs. Yeah, if any, with you know, they they've adapted as well, but for the most part, um, have this long track record of writing and directing their own stuff. Uh, they've done it for so long that at one point they had to lie about what they were doing because the unions, the guilds, didn't like the idea of director not being a sole vision, so they just had to lie. Well, for and, the most part, it's it's just been Joel Coen. Yeah. credited as director. Yeah, and it's only been... And they edit their own films under a fake name. Right, exactly. I forget yeah. the name, but it's it's really them editing. They edit all their films as far as I, I know. But it's in the past... I don't know which one was first. I'm sure I could find out easy enough, but in the past handful of films, they actually now get directed by both yeah. of them credit. Yeah. Whereas I remember like Fargo, um, it was... Well, I even forget who, but like it would be produced, sole credit produced by Joel, sole credit produced, directed by Ethan or something yeah. like that. But whereas any actor, I remember back in the day, somebody like, you know, Francis McDormand or something being like, yeah, it says that. But if you see any behind the scenes footage, it's pretty evident that yeah. they're a team. Yeah. But um, so Hail Caesar, like the Coen brothers have such a wide berth of style going mm-hmm. from real kind of, I don't know if slapstick's the right word, but real comedic, like something like Hudsucker Proxy to like dark art house weird, like Barton Fink. Mm-hmm. To pretty like linear, um, like uh, just storytelling, like in True Grit, with with a hero beginning, middle, and an end. Yeah, that kind of thing. So this, I think, is leaning kind of more towards Hudsucker Proxy, of kind of like a yeah over um, the top slightly. Maybe kind of elements of Barton Fink, but it doesn't go as kind of black comedy as Barton Fink does. Right. Yeah. And it, and it, and the the cast is insane. Like it's Josh Brolin, Channing Tatum. Yeah, Joni Hill again. Yeah, uh, uh, Scarlett jo- Johansson. <clears throat> but it's a, and, and then Frances McDormand. Uh, the Frances McDormand scene. It's it's she's really just in it for one scene. Right. 
but it's it's a priceless scene. I'm looking forward to it. Some some people it got kind it's of It's a movie that what makes it funner, it's basically a lot of really cool set pieces. There's a couple of musical num- there's one musical number that's really great with Channing Tatum. Yeah. And there's one brief scene um, Francis McDormand plays a film editor. Okay, yeah. And I won't yeah. give the scene away, but it, it's it's really funny. And like we kind of forget because movies become so iconic in the years and decades after they come out and become cult classics and become, you know, end up breeding merchandising and lunchboxes and t-shirts. Mm-hmm. But like, arguably, what a lot of people know the most for um, is Big Lebowski. And Big Lebowski was a giant flop of a movie. Yeah, it was their follow-up to Fargo, which I, I well, was more successful yeah. because it got Oscar nominations and all the critical acclaim. And so even with this one, although it was not a giant financial hit, I'm always kind of like, well... They're the Coen brothers, so they kind of yeah, they, will bounce back. They're sort of like, like Tarantino, where it's like they they have studio support behind them, and they kind of get to do their own crazy vision. They seem to get to do what they want. Yeah. I guess because they um, they don't make... I, I, I don't know what the budget was on Hail Caesar, but I mean, it couldn't have been Avengers expensive. No, and I have a feeling that many of the big-time actors who work with them take quite the pay cut to do so. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they, well, they, they use a lot of the same, you know, they use yeah. George Clooney a lot and yeah. Francis McDormand is Mrs. One of the Coens. Mrs. Cohen. Yeah, yeah. Mrs. One of the Coens. And yeah, and actors like that too, it's like, I appreciate that. You'll see them flip flop back and forth and you'll see, you'll see Josh Brolin show up in some big budget movie and then he'll do Hail Caesar afterwards and kind mm-hmm. of, you know, he'll make, make, He'll he'll make the mortgage payments yeah. off off of uh, <laughs> off of some Avengers movies yeah. and then come back and do a Coen Brothers movie. But I'm looking forward to it. I, I love the cast and uh, I don't know. I, I mean, it's fun. It's it's um it's hard to it's hard to kind of sell because you have to be a Coen Brothers yes fan yeah to appreciate their brand of humor and, and approach to things. But um, what they get what they really seem to nail this movie is about Hollywood in in um, the 1950s. Um, World War II is over. Um, Josh Brolin is running a studio during the the studio system when directors and actors yeah. and writers were contracted to uh, studios. And uh, there's this big star uh, played by George Clooney, yeah, who goes missing. He's kidnapped right. um, by this mysterious group of people, and Josh Brolin has to find out where he is. And yeah, a little like Lebowski, where that there was like kind of a loose kidnapping plot in that I guess right and I think I think they just but it's a satire on I guess Hollywood of the 50s and they make fun of the types of movies they were making then these big you know biblical epics that you know seem kind of silly today and I think it's very silly today for for all the complaints Hollywood gets for making a whole bunch of Transformers movies or whatever Mm -hmm. is that there there is still your Coen brothers or your Quentin Tarantino's who get to do whatever the hell they want all the time mm-hmm. and have, have, you know, every once in a while have some financial success, every once in a while win a whole bunch of awards, yeah. and that keeps them in the game. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, like, it, it's just nice that they're not having to be, like, you know, they don't have to go direct another Transformers movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the closest they can do is when, when they do some work-for-hire stuff, like when they did Bridge of Spies, yeah. uh, which was kind of funny because you kind of forget, like, oh, yeah, they're... Hired out as screenwriter, and they also wrote that movie that we didn't show, Unbroken. Oh yeah, with the, that I Angelina that. Jo- Jolie directed. Yeah, I think they wrote that. Did they? I didn't even know that. It's so funny, and that's the 
The blessing and the curse of having a single screen theater is it's a lovely single screen theater, but we have one screen. And mm-hmm. every once in a while, something's just going to pass us by because there's a small window of opportunity, and then you're like, oh, missed it, gone. Which I like, because oh, yeah. imagine if we had, like, six screens. We'd oh, have to no. show a lot of crap. Yeah. Um, next on the agenda... So this minimizes, you know, yeah, the fact that we're yeah. single screen, it minimizes filler. Yes. Uh, next on the agenda, an Ottawa premiere, Rise of the Legend. Starring Eddie... This is a martial arts epic. Yes. Um looks like there's some fantasy elements to it uh samuel hung is in it the martial arts legend and it's it's uh eddie peng who i'm not familiar with no and it's it's fun i love these these you know based on a true story with but a not giant, really yeah with a giant asterisk beside it and so you know it's always based on a true story but what do you mean by that because Sometimes ba- I, based should based. be in capital, yeah, italicized letters. But it, but it's uh, it looks like just like a big epic, old style martial arts, you know, extravaganza, mm-hmm. and with some base in reality. But the same thing like Ip Man had some base in reality, or the uh, the the Bruce Lee movie um, Dragon had some base in reality. Some, but then you see some of those fight scenes and some of those events. You're like, I don't know if that really happened. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, we're bringing this in uh, for maybe a couple more days than we usually bring in this kind of film, but it's because we've had good success in the last little while with stuff like If, if Man 3. Well, yeah, we showed, it's funny, we, we've shown a lot of martial arts films, like especially ones with like Donnie Yen, and we showed the last Jackie Chan yeah. Police Story movie, and those didn't do too well. No. But we showed It Man 3, and it did really well. Yeah, so hopefully that crowd will come back for this. For this, yeah. And, it's, and it is like... This is the underline of you won't see this anywhere else. No, no. Like, it, this is your chance to see this on the big screen, which mm-hmm. is cool. Um, so, yeah, I, I like seeing stuff like this in-house to see some something international, something different. And something, especially nowadays, that, you know, you're so, some stuff like this, it's hard to get even just on, like, Blu-ray or show mm-hmm. up on TV mm-hmm. anywhere. Like, it just will, will because there's, there's so much output, uh, so much Asian cinema output that it's hard to get any of it over mm-hmm. here sometimes uh, even Jackie Chan you, you forget how how busy he still is yeah because he hasn't really done a lot of Hollywood films in the past quite a while like when mm-hmm. was Rush Hour 3 that was like a few years ago yeah and but he's still making two or three movies a year he just did a movie with Johnny Knoxville that I don't think is an American production I want to see that one he did I was listening to a Nerdist podcast with John Cusack and he was talking about yeah they did the that Chinese film yeah. or uh, Dragon Blade was yeah. it called or something? And 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 he said and and John Cusack was like, I just I got this offer to go over there and be in fight scenes with Jackie Chan and I was like, <laughs> Yes, I want to do that. But that that movie, you know, like That's a no brainer. That's a no brainer. John Cusack. John Cusack, of yeah. And and so like some people will be like, Oh, you guys getting that? And it's not Did even Did he deflect his kicks with a boombox? Yeah, he was wearing he was wearing the trench coat. <laughs> that was his superpower in the movie. Um, but yeah, so that's, uh, uh, Friday, March 11th, Friday, March 11th is tomorrow at nine. If you're listening to the, well, it wouldn't be tomorrow yeah. if you're listening to this now. It might be Friday. Yeah. We're, we're recording this one, uh, Mayfair after dark. We're recording this Thursday evening. Yes. Today so, is March 10th. Tomorrow is the 11th. So as soon as you'll probably be listening to this on, on uh, Friday afternoon, if you're quick on the draw, but you just need to go on the inter internets yeah. machine. And so the other one... Go to our website, mayfairtheater.ca, for all your Mayfair needs. 
if you listen to this um, before the weekend, before the 12th and 13th, we have The Land Before Time. Uh, it's kicking off our Mayfair Theatre Kids Club, where we're going to show um, a retro... And man, I feel old, because... Land this before, is going back. Yeah, Land Before Time doesn't feel retro to me. Then I'm like, oh, it's 30 years old. 1988? Something like that, yeah. And um, so we're showing Land Before Time, which is an amazing hand-drawn uh, Don Bluth feature animated film mm-hmm. uh, that was produced by both George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. I kind of always forget that. And I like modern animation. I love the Toy Story stuff and, and, and Lego movie. But there's something about hand-drawn animation that I just I, you can feel it. Like, you, you can see that it was like the magic of somebody drawing a dinosaur and then doing a flip book out of it to make the movie happen. Um, so we're kicking it off. It's going to be buy a membership for 10 bucks for your kid uh, or the kid could buy it themselves, I guess. And this is a kid's membership, not a kid's regular membership. Yeah. So this adult will, membership, this will work once a month. We will have a specific branded Mayfair kids club movie and the kid could come. And after that first 10 buck payment, get in for free. And, we're going to have some other special surprises on screen, some some cartoons. We're going to have some prizes to give away. And in upcoming months, uh, we're, we're talking about stuff like um, The Last Unicorn, um, Never Ending Story, uh, a lot of Don Bluth stuff, just because there's no Disney stuff available. Yeah. Everyone's going to say, like, show Jungle Book. We- <laughs> poor, poor Don Bluth. Yeah. like it- Because Disney stuff wasn't uh, yeah. <laughs> That's a backhanded comment, but Don's I second choice blues. Yeah, but his stuff is great. But it'll be like, uh, you know, American Tale and um, All Dogs Go to Heaven. So mm. all kinds of cool stuff that Starring he did. Starring Dom DeLuise. Dom DeLuise, yes. Uh, and we were initially going to call it the like a cartoon club, but they were like, oh no, there's too much cool, especially in the '80s, so much cool live action kids stuff. Uh, so hopefully we'll have more cool offerings in upcoming months, and we'll chat about those soon. Uh, Sadly, because of the Disney vault, which now owns Lucasfilm as well, that means movies like, you know, Willow aren't available, but there's plenty of other... I know, I love Willow. But, um, but yeah, so that'll be fun. That kicks off March break, so that's March 12th and 13th. At 12.30. At 12.30 p.m. uh, with the movie starting at around 1, but get here to catch the surprises on screen beforehand. Um, And then it's it's funny, as we were just trashing unoriginal films (laughs) and stuff like that, so Alvin for, and the Chipmunks. For Alvin and the Chipmunks week, uh, for March break, uh, we're screening the latest Alvin and the Chipmunks film. And it's funny. Uh, what is this part six? Like, I, I have no idea. And it's, it's good. You to know see- you're in trouble when they stop counting. Yeah. They're just like. Well, they, I don't think they ever did. But you know with sequels, it'll be like part two. Yeah. Part three. And then once they're they like, get to like uh, part four or five, it's like they whatever. just go with a subtitle. They don't yeah. mention the number. And, and I don't think there's probably a lot of like five-year-olds tuning into this so we're talking more to the parents i hope not yeah so in in all honesty of course we were like we were trying to get star wars we were trying to get even something like kung fu panda or something really cool like uh, the little prince all of which are circling and we should have Mm. soon maybe as soon as friday the 18th um but lee our programmer was was a little bit hesitant and was like oh i don't know and I just said, like, you know, well, we're a movie theater, and it's March break, and we're going to show stuff for kids. And every once in a while, you know, we show stuff where, you know, that isn't a cinematic classic. But in all fairness, I remember working on March break a couple of years ago, and, 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 and another year. And it was one of the previous Chipmunks mm-hmm. and a Smurfs film, one of the live-action Smurfs films. That's right. And it was gangbusters. It was, it was, 
the kids came, the kids loved it, the kids were clapping at the end. And and it's funny because David Cross was in I don't know if he's in this Chipmunks film, but he was in one or two of the mm-hmm. other Chipmunks films. And he basically kind of not necessarily came to defense, but did say like, not everything is made for you, middle-aged nerd in the basement. Yeah. You know, like, and if this is appealing to a five-year-old who wants to come out and see a movie at March break, cool, you know? And I look back, you look back at stuff you liked when you were five, and you're like, this is great. And then you see it when you're adult, and you're like, oh no, that's not good at all. Um, so yeah, so we have four... If you're looking for something to do with your kids to get out of the house, we have Alvin and the Chipmunks on Monday through Thursday at the 1 or one thirty time slot. Mm-hmm. Check, check on the website just to double-check the times. But um, I know there'll be a lot of kids who will be excited to see that. So hopefully that'll bring in a good crowd, and then mm-hmm. we'll we'll have some more cool... I, the trailers before Alvin and the Chipmunks are all stuff that we hope to have very soon. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that. So even R-rated, no. R-rated, yeah. <laughs> red band, gonna, yeah. Just red band trailers. Red band no. trailers. I'm always I'm. Every once in a while, I'll be in the theater and it's like um, a private birthday party or or a wedding, and and your job is to just press play on the iPod for the the lady to walk down the aisle, and I'm always paranoid that I'm gonna press the wrong button and like a Wu Tang Clan's song's gonna start <laughs> up, and just be like, oh, I ruined the wedding. But uh, so same every once in a while with trailers, I because you you hear these legends. I've been to weddings where they've played, yeah, well, at least at the drunken dance part. Oh yeah, playing that music. Yeah, yeah. It, you hear legends of of um, you know, oh the Texas Chainsaw trailer played in front of the Elmo movie and scarred a bunch of kids for life and everyone got in trouble. And every once in a while, I'm just I just double check just to make sure, especially if I know we have a trailer in the robot in in the projector robot that is like love or something that is is a very red band trailer mm-hmm. i'm always just like oh i'm going to click the wrong button and that's going to show up in front of you know in front of alvin and the chipmunks and just be racing to the projection booth <laughs> to turn off the bulb and, and and try to put a halt to it but uh, okay so i think well we, we assure you that we are very we assure uh, you we're very on top of things like this we're prof- we're highly professional highly professional we will only play kids' trailers yes. in front of the kid movies. But, uh, yeah, so we hope to see you out for, especially for Land Before Time, uh, and that'll instigate our monthly awesome kids club. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to wrap things up. I think we successfully talked about everything. Uh, we got the room this Saturday, oh, March what, yeah. 12th at 11 p.m. Yep, and uh, so come out and watch the best, worst movie ever mm-hmm. made. It's month, like, 79. That's a lot of months. Yeah. That's <laughs> And it's, it's your fault that you keep coming to see it. Yes. That we keep playing it. Um, but yeah, they'll come out and enjoy the room in its cinematic glory. Visit our friends at House of Targ. Yep, and uh, go online and check out the deal that we have. AudibleTrial.com slash Mayfair Theatre Podcast. You can uh, sign up for a free trial and get a free audiobook. Yep. Uh, you can download the audiobook to, I don't know, The Revenant? The Revenant. Or that book you mentioned earlier, The Thomas Lennon, Ben yeah, Grant. Yeah, that's a really good audiobook because, yeah. I, I forget I, what it's called, but... Yeah, Tom, Tom Lennon, <laughs> Ben Grant, you'll find it. It's about yeah. Hollywood. Check that one out. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week.